As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Good news everyone, the sun is out, outdoor socialising is back in England and best of all, Tottenham aren't playing for two weeks. We're trying to make the most of this break by trying to get our heads out of the never-ending 2020-2021 season and looking ahead to next year. What will Spurs look like? Which of these players would you keep? Who would you sell to make money? And who would you have in charge? My name's Jack Pitbrook, you're listening to the View from the Lane podcast, I'm joined as always by James Moore and a special guest... The Rock back for WrestleMania, it's Charlie Eccleshare. Charlie, hey, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, great to have you back. How's Are you, are you missing covering Tottenham's slow descent down the league? Because they were quite good when you were here, and now they're rubbish. Yeah, I've had quite a lot of messages about that, that like it coincided, um, yeah, me going off, and it all, I think just after I left was when they run that really bad run of like four defeats in five, so... Um, yeah, it has. It, that was a bit strange. Although I don't think it's necessarily. I think now it's kind of leveling off a bit, and they're moving back up. I don't think it's a totally lost lost cause. Um, but it has the form team in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've always felt, even in that really bad period, that top four was still possible. I know I, I was really pushing top four in the first half of the season, um, but I, I have. Oh, you were pushing the you were pushing the title in the first half of the season, Charlie. And come, and come back here now and pretend you were saying and, top and revise four. it. Yeah, I did think title was a possibility in those heady uh, those heady days of the City win, the Arsenal win. Um, yeah, I mean, when I went off, they kind of been more. Like, that was what early mid January. They probably still weren't like miles off the title, but by that point, obviously, we'd accepted that that probably wasn't going to happen. But yeah, I've always, even since then, I've thought still thought top four, and I still think top four now. I I think. I think Leicester, I know it sounds weird because they've got quite a buffer, but they've got, was it Chelsea, Spurs, United to play, I think in their last three games. And just given what happened last season, I do think maybe um, they might have a similar thing. So I don't think it's totally, totally out of reach. Um, but yeah, it has been straight. I mean, yeah, some weird games in that period, obviously the, the Europa League exit kind of foremost among them. But yeah, who knows? I mean, now with not having to play that Thursday, Sunday routine, it might might open it up a bit. James, I take it you don't share Charlie's confidence about fourth? The tone of this podcast is totally different with Charlie, isn't it? He's so positive. For the last like three months, it's just been like, unrelenting negativity for me and Jack. The Pure and Misery podcast. Suddenly it's, oh, actually, Mourinho's not completely useless, so I might do all right. M- my biggest concern is that Leicester have had this kind of run of matches where Madison and um, Barnes have been missing. And they've still, I think, taken sort of 10 points in four games or whatever it was. And that, that was the point that I thought maybe they would sort of slip up a bit, but actually they've sort of done quite well to manage their way through that little run. So, and obviously the fact they've gone out of Europe as well, I think will probably work in their favour. I mean, if Spurs are sort of within touching distance by those last three games, then maybe, but I, I think they've got a lot of quite nice games between now and then Leicester. So I, I would be surprised if Spurs can cut too deep into that gap, sadly. I sort of think Chelsea are more likely. Well, because they've got Champions League and FA Cup and yeah. all that. Yeah, they've got they've got a lot on their plate, and I always think like when a team goes on quite a long run without losing, like if if they suddenly lose a game, then it, it, all, it all can kind of 
fall away if the pressure's on. So, I mean, you know, you've seen that happen so many times before. But obviously, the first thing will be to actually lose a game first. Which is but James, like, you are, as well as having the same initials, you and Mourinho do share that, what the Germans call purposeful pessimism, whereby you, you often talk down, you'll talk down Spurs' chances. He'll talk that, he'll be like, oh, Son's going to be out for ages in the hope that you're kind of reverse tempting fate. I've, so I think that you, I think deep down, you're more confident about Spurs than you let on. If if they win their first game back and they clo- and they go level with Chelsea or whatever it is, are you telling me you wouldn't start to believe a little bit that it's possible? I could picture them winning like all of the games against kind of the bottom twelve or whatever they've got left. But it's Man United. I mean, actually, Everton away, I kind of see maybe they'd get a result there. But you know, United, Leicester. There's another one against someone half decent. Is no, I can't think of it. United though, Villa. Villa, yeah. United will be in between the two Europa League ones, won't they? So that might help. uh, Whereas Spurs would have had the full week. Everton, I mean, Spurs should have won that FA Cup game comfortably. Yeah, Everton haven't been particularly good at home, have they? So I mean, you know, I I, I don't think that's impossible. Um, Yeah, I think they they would need like a near faultless run, I think, to 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 get in top four probably. And and I'm just not convinced that they're going to sort of win. Seven out of nine, mm. or whatever. I'd be delighted to be wrong. You win either way. You can subscribe to The Athletic UK right now for £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad free versions of all of our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod to take advantage of this 40% discount. That's theathletic.com forward slash Spurs pod. I think for this we're going to assume, we're not going to assume too much about what might happen over the end of the season for the course of this exercise, but we are just going to run through the squad and decide if you guys think that Tottenham should keep or get rid of these players so we can try and just build up a sense of what the squad next year will look like. Um, Obvious place to start is in goal with the captain Hugo Lloris. Uh, He's got one year left in his contract. Uh, he's been linked with a return to France and going to Paris Saint-Germain after nine years at Tottenham. His form, I think, this year has been not standout bad, but maybe not as good as he used to be a few years ago. Uh, James, would you keep him? Would you let him go? They definitely need to have like a plan in place, like like a sort of succession plan for when he does go. I mean, I think the fact that he's only got one year on his contract is probably an indication they wouldn't get massive money. I mean, if PSG turn up and offer 25 million quid for him, which I just can't say they would do. I mean, they've got a good keeper anyway, right? In um, uh, the Costa Rican lad. Kaylon Navas. Say his name. Kaylon yeah, Navas. Navas yep, him. The Costa Rican lad. Um, he could just do a swap deal. He's probably like a year younger, isn't he? I imagine. he's He can't be as old as Lurie, surely. I doubt that. So that does seem like a weird one, unless it's a, just a, a potch sort of statement thing to get his kind of, his players in the dressing room, maybe. Um I just can't see a situation where they're going to offer the kind of money that make that worthwhile. So I think in an ideal world, and I don't want to skip ahead to the next one, which is obviously Joe Hart, you want to kind of have like the next keeper in to kind of compete with Lloris with a view to kind of, you know, superseding him next year, like over the course of the season, like they did with Lloris and Friedel. Um, and if that's the case, I don't really see the need for Joe Hart. So I know I've skipped ahead, but you do kind of need to do that sometimes. So you're... So, well, I guess to answer your question, I would keep Lloris and bring in another goalkeeper, a younger goalkeeper. I don't know who that is. That's not what you're asking, is it? Uh, or is not, it? No, if you've got an opinion, I'd like to hear it, but it's not, it's not, it's not the point. Uh, I'm not interested in English goalkeepers. Yeah, I fair enough. Like, since Paul Robinson, I'm just like, I don't want Spurs to have an English goalkeeper because it's too much. Like, they get good, then they get an England team, then they make yeah. a mistake, then it, it all just goes. And you've seen it with every English goalkeeper since, I don't know who, Seaman, probably yeah. inclusive, actually. Pickford even, you know, had a great World Cup and it looked like he was going to kind of be mentally resilient enough to not have these problems. And then sure enough, over the last sort of two years, it's kind of crumbled and even at Everton, his place is under threat. So I wouldn't want an English goalkeeper. And I know people are talking about Pope and Henderson, who are both very good. Uh, I just don't want those complications. So some young foreign goalkeeper, which I know, again, for kind of squad quality reasons is complicated. But I don't know who it is, but that's what I want. Like David Raya at Brentford, who's always linked with... Premier League clubs who's very good with his feet uh, apparently yeah. but yeah I, I agree with James on. I, I kind of feel Lloris if, I don't know it feels like if you've got like massive structural problems with your house Lloris to me doesn't feel like a you know that feels like upgrading your TV or something like I don't think Lloris is a, the, the big 
problem that Spurs have at the moment. I think he's 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 fine. I can't imagine you know PSG or anyone coming in for much money. You know, a player of that age with a year left. So I would I would hold on to him. I, th- I think that's sensible. Yeah, to bring in someone uh, to kind of learn, hopefully you know play in the. Uh, in the Carabao Cup, FA Cup, and whatever European competition uh, Spurs are in, and kind of do it that way. But yeah, to me, Lloris doesn't feel like um, a, press, a pressing one. The other thing is Gazaniga. I mean, I know he's sort of been forgotten about, but I, you know, and I guess he would go as well. But like, I, I would have, I would probably have him as my number two over Joe Hart, but that's probably a discussion for another time. Yeah, I guess my view on this is that at some point in the next few years, Spurs are going to have to. Get are going to have to replace Lloris, but I just think they've got too much on their plate. Like they might have to make a incredibly expensive and difficult decision regarding their manager this year. The last thing they need this summer is to get rid of the man who's been in goal for them for the last nine years and is the captain, and yeah. then spend you know much more money than they would get for Lloris on a new keeper, whoever that is. So I, I think we're kind of unanimously for keeping Lloris. The heart dog. I'm kind of sensing a bit of reluctance to keep the heart dog from you guys, which I must say is disappointing. I'm very much pro the heart dog. I think he's a legend. He's played all right, I think, in his 10 games so far. Uh, James is putting a face. You, you don't agree? That's generous. He's done fine. He's done fine. He? I mean, yeah. I, 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 he's not made any kind of like Danny Baker level blunders, but I, he has let in quite a few goals that you, you think maybe a top keeper wouldn't there was that game at Lask wasn't there where he was pretty at fault yeah. for a couple of the goals maybe but he's a he's a free transfer backup keeper like he's not a top keeper or he's not a top keeper anymore unfortunately although he was in his time but also you're forgetting his like being mates with all the players and yeah. being fun in the dressing yeah, room and like giving big hugs to them when they come off in the Europa League game all, all that classic stuff you do have a limit on the number of foreign players you can have yeah. so like to have your backup if he's never going to play or hardly ever going to play then there's definitely merit to it being an English guy. Yeah, yeah, he feels more sort of hype man than number two goalkeeper, but he seems to have done that job pretty well. The the memorable cricket game. Who who can forget? Yeah, he yeah he's made, he's made some important contributions. The Instagram apology, like it's been it's been great. Yeah, that was legend, legendary stuff. So we're keeping the hot dog then. Well, I guess in that sort of hype man role, but you might want to have also a number two keep goalkeeper <laughs> to to sort of play the games. As long as he's uh, as long as he's homegrown for UEFA. That said, if Spurs aren't in Europe next year, then it won't matter. They can they can they can, they can go and sign a foreign keeper in it. And I think we had to kind of do this assuming Spurs are at least. In I, the I, I think so. Yeah. Because otherwise, this is too too. I think the assumption has to be from this point that Spurs will be playing in Europe next season in some form, even though I think the chance of them being in the Champions League next year not not impossible but low. So we're keeping the hot dog. So now let's move on to the defence. It probably I think well let's do centre backs first then come on to the the full backs. Uh let's start with Davinson Sanchez. James you pulling a face. You must Stop trying to expose me Sorry. for pulling faces. <laughs> uh I've kinda of, I I kinda of feel like I've defended this guy quite a lot over the last few years and in particular this season, but I, I don't I, I don't think we've seen the kind of development that you would want to see of a centre-back and he has played a lot as yeah. well I, and I think there might be a sort of a slight misconception that he's always been on the bench but actually he's played loads of football in the last four years I, 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 I th- he's one that I think if you got a good bid I think you know if someone bids 25 million quid and I know people will be listening to that thinking 25 million quid for Sanchez but that is the kind of fear that someone you know someone in some rubbish league like like, like Syria would probably do <laughs> Um, I think if they got that kind of bid for him and you know, I, he, I think he would be good uh, he'd be played every week in a settled team in the right system I think he could be good but I'm just not sure with all the chopping and changing that, that seems to go on quite regularly at Spurs it's going to be quite right I think like a fresh start would actually probably be quite good like I could see him going to like Milan mm. and being quite good and it kind of feeling like a bit of a mistake but you know in the sort of Kirikes Fazio sort of vein do you know what I mean and 25 million quid is like you know the modern equivalent of sort of eight million quid like five years ago, which is sort of what they got for those two. So I would probably he'd probably be one I'd get shot off, particularly because they're you know. And again, I don't want to go down the list, but I think there are a couple of younger ones who are probably a slightly better bet in developmental terms. Well, that's the thing. You look at the centre backs, and you sh- you know you've got Tanganga who can kind of he he is a centre back really. That's where he's played, but he can pi- kind of play everywhere. So I mean, sorry to jump ahead, yeah, you're definitely keeping him. But then you've got that block of four really: Sanchez, Dyer, Alderweireld, and Roden, and you're gonna. Assuming you want to bring someone in, which I think 99% of Spurs fans would, you, there's no point having five 
out-and-out centre-backs as well as Tanganga. So you're thinking, well, you've got to get rid of... I, I think you'd probably get rid of one of them. Roden, you're obviously not going to get rid of him. I don't really see the point of getting rid of Alderweireld. I mean, you're not really going to get much of a fee and he's a useful, um, you know, very experienced leader to have around. So really it then comes down to Dyer or Sanchez. And I think of those two... It's a tricky one on balance, but it would kind of depend on who you could get more money for. I mean, there's also you know th- that homegrown thing, which I know is a big preoccupation of a lot of supporters as well. And you know there is a logic to that because you know there are those rules in place. I mean, Dyer, you might be able to get more money for because of the whole English premium. Um, so I think you might have to do it that way. I mean, Dyer and Sanchez not a huge amount to choose between them and I guess it depends on who the guy you're bringing in is because if you're bringing in a really pacey uh, you know centre back and kind of sweep in behind then that reduces your need for Sanchez uh, if you're bringing in someone who is more close to Dyer stylistically then then that changes the picture so I guess it, it slightly depends on the sort of centre back um, that Mourinho has in mind um, and I think some fans probably would want you know the kind of really commanding guy to come in and, and help Usher Sanchez through and in which case that probably reduces the need for Dyer. but um, yeah I think it would ultimately come down to who who you think you can get more um, more value for yeah I think uh, I've always thought of myself as a defender of Sanchez but it's um, there's no getting past the fact that he's not really he's not really any better now than he was when Spurs signed him four years ago I think he's been okay this year he's played what 11 games out of the last 13 uh, he's basically been first choice for the last month or two but I, I agree with you that I think he's it might be they could make a bit of money there you could definitely see him going to a a team in La Liga, you know, he's a kind of Valencia, uh, Villarreal, Atletico Madrid type, type player. Um, so yeah, may, maybe I could be persuaded to sell him. Although, like you say, it depends who's coming in. So let's let's put Sanchez in, in the sale column, assuming they can get money for him. Although it would be slightly sad to see him go, but just because when they bought him, I thought here's a the guy they're going to sell to Barcelona for a hundred million in four years' time, and obviously that's not the case. Next up, Eric Dyer. Three years left, uh, big new contract last year, not had a great season, if we're honest. Uh, I don't think he's been very good. He's lost his place a bit. But I also, at the same time, I think he's a very good person to have around. Like, he's been there for seven years. He, he's a big glue in the dressing room, multilingual, good leadership, plays in different positions. Uh, seems to get on pretty well with with Mourinho. Um, I I think I'd probably keep Dyer. I think he's a good person to have, even though I don't think he's had a great season. If you're not in Europe, and again, I, I know we can't have this conversation yeah. with every single position, but if you're not in Europe, I don't think you want five centre backs. And I think we're, we're all of the opinion that they should sign at least one centre back. If they're not in Europe and they sell Sanchez, and they're probably going to want to sell Dyer and sign a centre back, they're probably going to want to sign a uh, sell Dyer as well, right? Because I think we're also all in agreement that. And tell me if I'm wrong, Jack, but this is what Charlie's just said, that we would all want Alderweireld, Roden and Tanganga to stay. I'm not sure I would want Alderweireld to, to stay. Really? He's not playing well, I don't think. And he's really old and he's got two years left and I don't think he gets on especially well with Mourinho. Interesting. I don't think they get much money for him. I mean, there, there are two solutions. There. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think they get a huge amount of money for him, but I, uh, if I was keeping one out of Dyer and Toby, I think I might want to keep Dyer he's younger and he'd last, he'll last for longer he's got more time left in his contract I don't actually think Dyer's had like a worse season in all of our now you say that yeah. actually I mean that's kind of that's kind of obviously the case isn't it in a weird way I mean Alderweireld has been like more steady more recently but I think in, if like if you kind of averaged it out over the whole season I think you'd probably say Dyer had done at least Dyer's problem is that when like he's, he's one of those defenders who's got a habit of making really bad looking mistakes do you know what I mean yeah. like he'll just do yeah, stuff yeah, and you yeah. think god what do you whereas Toby doesn't do that in the same way but Toby is just really slow which means that some and I also think Toby's been in kind of gradual decline for about three years now. Yeah, the problem is, I mean, he was one who you either, they kind of needed to get rid of, just let his contract go and accept that. Um, giving him that big, long new contract now puts him in a bit of a bind with him. But yeah. I, I think realistically, like, you, yeah, assuming they're in Europe, you, you want your four centre-backs and Tanganga probably, uh, in which case I think you do just get rid of one. And then, as I said before, yeah, I think it comes down to Daryl well. Sanchez. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have strong views. I think it would depend on the interest. I, I think, Di, yeah, I think Dyer has been fine, and I think you know, he he is, you know, he's been there a while. Um, I'd, I'd be perfectly fine, you know, to keep him. Also, I think to be completely realistic, you can't and shouldn't change. Loads. No, exactly. No. Like, and I, like, 
I don't think you should be going like selling like three centre backs and bringing two in or whatever. I don't know some people probably want that to happen, but I think I think you know this isn't like someone playing FIFA. This is real life, and like these. This are is serious. Into it. this is real. What we're doing here. This is real. Yeah. What we're doing now. This hypothetical um, sale or sale <laughs> or not. Um, and you know, I like to completely like shift the whole dressing room out. And you know, the stuff you say about diet, Jack, is a really good point about how like a central figure is there with like the different social groups. Um, like to take people like that out of a dressing room, you're not you're not just like removing a player who's had an iffy couple of months. You're taking out a, a bloke who's yeah. kind of been central to to so many things in that dressing room. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I can see logic. So I think are we, are we kind of now in agreement that we're, we're selling Sanchez selling Sanchez and, to keep Dyer, yeah, and yeah. signing someone. Uh, yeah, uh, so all the Wirral's two years left. Well. <laughs> I wouldn't be against selling him. At the same time, how much money... Eight million pounds to Ajax. Yeah, how much money would they That's realistically good. get for him? Oh, Benfica, actually. West Ham. like West Ham actually seem a bit, oh, no. seem a bit better no, now. No, but, no uh, he can't do that. He can't they, do that. You know, they haven't been averse to ago, signing. Yeah. A few years Remember ago, Pellegrini would have been Arbeloa, swooping. Arbeloa, Zabaleta, Evra. Yeah. Like, they don't mind a sort of 30-something uh, Premier League centre-back who was brilliant five years ago. He's a man ago. of integrity. Uh, okay, so you're ruling out Toby Alderweireld to West Ham. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be on that <laughs> weird website that takes things I say in this podcast. <laughs> Athletic journalist denies <laughs> West Ham swoop. I don't think he's very. Yeah, that's the thing is I just don't think he's very sellable. Although at the same time, I, I eight million uh, eight million pounds to Ajax, mate. Yeah. That's, the most, that's the most believable thing that's going to be said on this podcast. That, that is yeah. True. If, if they could get him, I mean, I think that'd be pretty good. I think if they came in with that sort of money. But I think you're right, James, about like, obviously in this hypothetical world that we're doing here, it lends itself to just being like, yeah, sell, sell, sell. And then you come to the end of it and you're like, fuck, we're talking about selling like yeah. seven first team players. Yeah. And, and signing <laughs> signing 15 players. Yeah. And, Which yeah, like, exactly. obviously, if you're, as you say, if you're playing a computer game is great. But in reality, if you were to do that, you'd have to accept a season or two of kind of um, transition, which I don't think many would be up for, especially given that the last year has felt reasonably transitional. Okay, so we've got him. Uh, which column? Which column am I putting him? For fun, let's put him a sell. Okay, keep, keep. Toby is keep. Jo- Joe Roden, I think, probably has to be a keep. He's he's yeah. pretty good. The question there would be on whether you think he'd benefit from a loan. Um, but I guess as well, you know, that depends on who they brought in, who they That's sent out. That's the European thing, I think. As yeah, well. yeah, I think yeah. if they're in Europe, I think um, you, you keep riding. But if they're not, and there are a few games, maybe. Yeah, I mean, that, there's a logic. That there. has been a big oversight, actually, hasn't it? Him not being able to play in Europa League games has been pretty massive. And that was, you know, that was because they signed him after, in, the, in, that, in the end of the summer window, but after the deadline had gone, um, which I think has stunted his development a bit. If you think, if you know, he'd be... You know, six, eight games better off, um, which is quite big for a player of that sort of age. Yeah, it's a shame that he's been he's he's only been able to play so rarely. I know he's a beneficiary coming back in at Villa, but um, I think that was I think he was kind of playing that game sort of to prove a point, really, from 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 Mourinho's standpoint. After um, you know having not played Roden so long, and I think that was also Roden's first start in a back four, having only previously started in a back five for Tottenham. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Roden. I think he's a really good player. He, he's got to be there next season as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. I think he's looked really good. I mean, he, you know, he made that mistake against Liverpool, didn't he? And against Chelsea, he was really good for most of the game and then nearly gifted him the goal at the end. But yeah, I, I've I've liked what I've seen from him. So that all kind of moves us on to the next question, Charlie. Uh, Roden versus Tanganga. Who is there a pecking order? Do you do the same thing? Different approach with different players? What do you reckon? Yeah, Tanganga is an interesting one because he is so versatile. So you'd think he is well set to kind of start accumulating more minutes. I mean, he's played, I think he's played really well whenever he's come in. You know, he's played it right back a couple of times um, and I think done a pretty decent job there. It is strange because this is a guy who's always a centre back um, coming through the ranks. Uh, Mourinho said he sees him very much as a fullback. I mean, there was talk, you know, there was interest from Premier League clubs, West Brom among them, uh, for a loan move in January. I think if, you know, he's definitely, in my mind anyway, got a first-team future at Spurs. If a loan, if a good loan came in uh, for next season, and again, depending on the level of squad, depending on the competitions that Spurs are in, I don't think that would necessarily be a disaster. But yeah, I think ideally he would be be at Tottenham in their first team and, you know, through the Europa League and the Cups, 
you know, getting a decent number of games next season. He's also been really unlucky this year because in the same way that Roden missed that uh, first half of the season, Europa League, and he was also signed after the Cups and so missed all of that kind of game time. Tanganga was injured for, for much of that. He's had loads of kind of niggling injuries that uh, meant he didn't play so much in the first half. So I think I would try and keep him, but if it, if it looked like the squad was just too big and they were too well stocked in those areas, then, you know, I think alone at a decent Premier League club uh, could also benefit him as well. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Let's move on to the left backs. Let's start off with... But let's let's start off with, with Danny Rose, who I think is the easiest one. He's out of contract. He's been at Spurs a long time. He's been a great player for Spurs, I think. But uh, clearly he's fallen out with the hierarchy, the manager. Uh, he hasn't played for Spurs for quite a while. I've uh, done nothing really at all this season. I, I think this is the end of Danny Rose at Tottenham. Unless one of you is going to tell me that you'd offer him a new contract. A bumper new deal for Danny Rose, I think, is the only, the only way forward. Um, no, probably not. I think. Yeah, that's not gonna, he's not going to stay. Is he? I mean, there's no, there's no way he's going to stay. And I mean, I think you've got good options at, at, in that position. I mean, no, Ben Davis isn't everyone's cup of tea, but I think he's another guy who's a pretty, a pretty good element of that group. Yeah. Um, in terms of like his personality and mentality. Uh, so I think I, I'm assuming no one's going to want to sell Reggian. And I think Davis is then a pretty good backup, yeah. particularly, I don't know, they've not really ended up playing that back three too many times this season, but he has obviously played in that position a couple of times. Yeah. Let's not have a Jamie Redknapp, Roy Davis Keane, up. let's not fall out over Regulon. I mean, yeah, I think you, yeah, I think Spurs' left-back stable is amongst the best in the league. You know, you've, oh, Danny Rose notwithstanding, you know, you've got uh, Regulon who is brilliant first choice. And I think Ben Davis is as good a second choice left back as you can hope to have. You know, he's a guy who he's very consistent. He can also play as a left-sided center back. I think I don't think you want to do anything to that to those two. And then and apologies Jack if I'm jumping ahead because he may be in the midfield category, but you've got Sessegnon coming back as well who I think, you know, we'd all like to see given a chance, you know, he can play as a left wing back. Um, you know, Mourinho spoke about last year of him ultimately ending up as a left back you know that remains to be seen but yeah I think that they're really well stocked in on that left side yeah I would definitely I think I think left back is kind of the easiest section that we've had to deal with like I would obviously keep Reguilon I think he's a great player I'll probably go back to Real Madrid at some point but um not yet Davis I would definitely keep I think Davis is like a, as you guys say Davis is kind of a dream backup he's consistent he's versatile he's professional he's played for Spurs for years I, th- I know some people get wound up with him because he's not a different player but he is who he is and he's really good at it so uh, I'm definitely uh, team pro Ben Davis and then Sessegnon is a fantastically talented player I think he's doing really well in Germany on his loan at the moment does he have a future as part of a first team managed by Jose Mourinho um, the evidence suggests probably not but I would you know he's still got time left in his contract and I'd like to see him uh, I'm sure he will be a Spurs player at some point but whether or not that that's next year is kind of uh, connected to a bigger set of questions. So right backs is a slightly more interesting one. Serge Aurier, Matt Doherty, you can't really take them in isolation. Um, Serge Aurier has one year left on his contract. He hasn't played that much recently. Obviously had a big falling out with Mourinho after the Liverpool game back in January. Whereas Matt Doherty has three years left but hasn't really performed. What would you guys do? Sell both, keep both, sell one? I think it's another one where you're sort of at the mercy of the bids you get really. I mean, I know there's been a bit of talk of Aurier going, even though he's only got that one year left. I mean, I think if I, if he if they got a good bid for him, I would let him go. But if they didn't, I would I would definitely keep him to be kind of in the rotation in that position because despite that uh, error against Liverpool, which I think is actually a bit harsh, a bit harsh anyway. I think he's actually had a pretty good season, despite the kind of relentless criticism uh, some people on some podcasts have given him before. So. Uh, assuming there wasn't like a, a you know similar to Larissa, assuming there wasn't a big bid coming in for him, I'd probably hold on to him. And if you can move Doherty on one way or another uh, and bring in another, I mean that is definitely a position right back where I think you're trying to sign like a, as close to an elite player as you can for that position. I think that's definitely one position where they need to do that. So if they can 
sell Doherty on and bring in, you know, one third of what or a quarter even of what they need to spend on that right back, then then so be it. But that should definitely be a priority position, I think. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's definitely an area. You, I mean, I think in an ideal world, you would have a kind of Regulon equivalent on that right hand side, which obviously, I mean, Aurier, yeah, I've, I mean, I've been a big defender of Aurier all season. He's another one actually who slightly in the past couple of months, you know, hasn't been as consistent. Um, there's Tanganga as well who can play it right back, and I think at the moment it's probably the most informed right back. I mean, Doherty's an interesting one, isn't he? Because it does show kind of how quickly things change and how challenging player recruitment is because that was a player who last summer when Spurs signed him for 15 million I think it was I and I think most people thought that's a really smart signing you're getting an established Premier League fullback or wingback um, he'll slot in hit the ground running he's not reacclimatizing to a different league and it just hasn't really worked out for him I think actually like the move from wingback to right back has, um, has taken probably more readjustment than we thought I mean, with those two, kind of similar to the situation saying with that with Sanchez, yeah. If you if you got a decent offer, I, I think you it would be strange to say no. I'm just not sure you're going to get that. I mean, Aurier, he's in the same situation as Lloris with only one year left, so I can't really see you know a huge offer. But you might get something because he has had um, interest in the past. Realistically, if the right offer came in for any of that for either of them. I think you'd probably have to take that pretty seriously, and and the hope is you'd, you'd bring in uh, you bring in someone to replace them, or you know it would it would be a leap of faith. But Mourinho might say, okay, yeah, we're going to have you know an experienced operator in Aurier and Doherty and Tanganga, and those are going to be our two right backs, and we're going to hope that Tanganga really pushes on um, and becomes that sort of right back. He's not, I mean, he's not as attacking. He's not as naturally you know regular plays kind of like a winger he, look, he looks that good going forward obviously Tanganga is more of a converted centre-back but you know they might want to do that sort of inverted thing that they used to do on the other side with when it was Davis and Aurier so yeah I think he, he, either one of those two I, I don't think you'd say like you have to hold on to at all costs by any means I do wonder if Doherty maybe given his stock is so low at the moment if you can like stick him out on loan to Crystal Palace or whoever um, hope he has a good season at a sort of mid-table or worse Premier League club and then kind of see his value kind of shoot back up again that might not be the worst solution because for whatever reason it feels like it isn't it isn't quite working over or not it's that, that, that kind of minor tactical thing we're not quite sure but um, I don't know that, that, that might be another option maybe. that sounds about right to me um, let's say or, let's say Aurier out sorry keep hold of Aurier because he might as well but then Doherty out on a uh, on a loan or a buy um, and specifically then a to Crystal Palace specifically to Crystal Palace okay now it's time for midfielders so let's start with Harry Winks who I think is an interesting one he's got three years left he was obviously a hugely important player under Pochettino this season he's had a very difficult season he wasn't even on the bench for Spurs' last game in the Premier League at Aston Villa uh James, we've defended Harry Winks a lot on this podcast. I assume that you would rather keep him. Yeah, I don't. I don't see why you would sell him. Really, I mean, you know, this isn't the reason to keep him. But one, there is that homegrown thing, and he is kind of double bag homegrown, isn't he? Because he's club homegrown as well, which is a thing in the more of a thing in the European competitions. Um, he's just a good player. I, I'm, I'm sort of staggered by some of the stuff that I see in here said about him because. You know, and he hasn't had it. He hasn't had a good season, but he has also been in and out of the team, which is clearly a factor. But I think particularly in central midfield, um, you know, this is a player who kind of early last season we were we, we were looking at before that Bayern Munich game. I remember us having a conversation in the office, Jack, about how he had played against all of the top teams in Europe yeah. and always looked really, really good. He played against Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, Dortmund. Uh, and been absolutely brilliant in all of those games and not looked at all out of place against the best teams in the Champions League. And yet, you know, he had a bad game in that in that buying game and maybe that knocked his confidence a bit because he's kind of been a bit up and down, maybe to be, maybe to be generous uh, since then. So I just, uh, I don't think he's a player you should be kind of jettisoning at this stage. While his stock is so low, it just seems, it seems strange to me that you would, uh, that you would do that. I think he's one you persist with. I, I mean, maybe, you know, I, I think, you know, Michael Cox wrote a piece uh, when Mourinho took over at Spurs saying Winks would be one of the players who just, his face just wasn't going to fit in a Mourinho system. Um, and actually, to be honest, in the first 
year or so. He probably played more, quite a lot more than we thought he would. But clearly, you know, it feels like he is on the fringes again now for whatever reason. And I'm not sure that's necessarily entirely football related. If it was me, I would keep him. But if Mourinho is the manager, I'm not sure that necessarily will happen. Yeah, and I suppose the one argument you can make for selling Winks is if Mourinho stays and if Mourinho isn't going to play him and if Spurs need to make money... Then Winks, yeah. they can yeah, probably yeah. make more money from from selling Winks than from selling plenty of other players. And it's you should it's also probably worth saying that well, if Winks is going to miss out on the Euros this year, which I'm sure he is, and he's going to want to get back in the England team for the World Cup in November 2022, and he's not going to do that by not playing for Mourinho's Spurs, but he might do that if he goes and plays really well for, I don't know, Everton, Villa, Saints, you know, West Ham, that sort of team. 18 months, two years ago, people were talking about Manchester City and Manchester United wanting to say Exactly, so, they certainly I were, mean, yeah. Uh, they really were. And I don't think that was illegitimate either because of how, you know, how good he was playing and everything else. Like, City and United did really like him. And may- maybe they still would. I, um, I th- Personally, I'd keep Winks, but I do understand that if Mourinho stays, there is a strong argument for selling Winks. Yeah, I've said before, like with Vince, I find I do find it as as James touched on. I do find the kind of hostility towards him quite strange, given you're talking about a homegrown player who you know supported the club since he was a kid. Um, you know, ostensibly gives everything. You know, I, I just to me that feels like an odd player to then target. I mean, he, he's an interesting one because there are a lot of moving parts. You know, it's not just necessarily what's best for. Um, you know what we think is best for the team it might come down to what he thinks is best for his career um, as you say it comes down to potentially who the manager is and also you know the best thing for the club in a broader sense in that he is one of the few players you'd say probably has a decent value um, so it's whether they cash in but yeah I, I wouldn't I certainly wouldn't be in a hurry to sell him if you're talking about just what's best for this team uh, rather than necessarily what's best for him or for the club um, because I think he's a, a really useful player to have. I think he does a, an effective job most of the time. So we've got Wings as a keep with those caveats. Um, the next two are really, really easy and shouldn't require too much discussion. Tanky and Dombalay and Pierre-Emil Hoiberg. I think Spurs would have to be in a real financial mess to to have to sell either of those guys. We can really save us some time on this uh, already overrunning podcast <laughs> by just saying we'll keep those two players and then move on, right? Yeah, yeah, they've been really good. They've both got four years left on their contracts. I'm sure they could probably, you know, they're two of the few players Spurs could probably sell at a profit if they wanted to. One other midfield I want to touch on quickly is Oliver Skip, who's having a really good season on loan at Norwich City. You know, he's been one of the best midfielders in the Championship. They're going to get promoted. Charlie, would you loan him back to Norwich next year for a year of Premier League games, or would you have him in and around the Spurs squad? I guess maybe that's a slight complication with Winks as well as to whether you think it's a slight either or um, I don't think it necessarily does have to be but yeah I mean you know a bit of a cop out but it does depend again depends on the competitions I mean Skip is someone who will be ready 100% to be playing Premier League football next season um, so it's whether you think he'd be best doing that with a Norwich assuming they go up or with another Premier League team I mean there'll be plenty of interest in him no question or whether he, um, you know, would be better served at Tottenham playing fewer Premier League games, but playing more in the Cups with them, playing more in the Europa. Uh, to be, I can really see either there. But again, he's someone who most certainly has a long-term future at the club. Um, you know, he's one of one of the most exciting of those young guys coming through. Another one is Giovanni Lo Celso. Uh, not had as good a season this year as he did last year. He's been really in and out of the team with fitness and various other injury issues. I'm sure they could get quite a lot of money if they wanted to sell him because he's got four years left in his deal, Argentina International, all the rest of it. Uh, I, I really like him as a player and I'd keep him. Uh, Charlie, what do you reckon? Yeah, he actually, he's someone I was thinking about in the you know in the context of feeling vaguely optimistic about a top four push. I think he could make quite a big difference. He is someone who can actually move Spurs up the pitch. Uh, so I feel like he, him coming back, assuming he stays fit for the rest of the season, could be quite big in that regard. Yeah, I would keep him. I mean, I think this season, as you say, has been injury affected, but I still think he's got a lot to offer. I have to admit, you know, having kind of bigged him up just before the first lockdown this time last year, as being like the only good thing about Spurs in that sort of early part of 2020, since the restart in June. He's had so few. I mean, I know he said like a lot. You know, he's not, he's barely played really. He's had so few good moments. Obviously, there's a goal against City just after he came on. 
have been so that he's had so few good performances. I've, uh, if they did get a bid, and obviously the fact that he's had so few good performances probably massively reduces the chances of that. He would be one I would consider flogging if there was a decent bid, just because they've had good moments this season without him in the team, without him in the system, and it just kind of feels to me like if you get a forty-five million pound bid from someone, and I'm not saying that is going to happen because I, I can't really think which kind of club that would be. Um, he might be one I would consider letting go because you do have a lot of you know options in midfield, and especially if you're going to end up playing four three three, which is another thing I know we'll come on to. Um, but if you are, I, and I know some people will think this is mad, if you're keeping Winks and Dombele, Hoiberg uh, and Skip, do you need Lacelso as well? And you know, uh, and then there's Deli Ali and whatever else. So I just and maybe you sign someone. I just I'm just not 100. I'm not certainly not as convinced as I was a year ago. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I um I don't think he I don't think he's necessarily unsellable. Although I do really like him and I don't want Tottenham to sell him. But um, you're you're right that if I don't know Atletico Madrid whoever came in with big money and Spurs can make their money back and it means they could you know, invest that money in a right back or other positions of the team that, that need strengthening, then I'd say, yeah, maybe I can see the, see the argument for it. So let's say, let's put him down as a keep, but again, with the caveat that um, there is a case for selling. Uh, Sissoko, two years left. I think he's been okay this year, but he's not really in the first team. And I'm not sure. Does Tottenham need him medium term? I don't know. There is going to come a point in Sissoko. He turns 32 this summer. He's got two years left on his contract. He's a better player technically than people give him credit for, but he doesn't rely a lot on that like engine. Yeah. Particularly with the way Spurs have used him, playing centrally. And there is going to come a point where that is <laughs> that engine is going to fail. And Start he's going splattering. To, I, I think he's going to decline quite quickly when that happens. That's when that's on to West Ham. <laughs> he, he might be one to be quite happy to see go to West Ham. Uh... Uh, he would be one I think I would try and sell if they can get you know fifteen million pounds for him, which again I don't think is unrealistic. I, I, and again I don't know where that would be, but I, I think that would be quite a that would be quite a sensible option. Yeah, I'm always wary of it a little bit because we you know you don't want to underestimate these players, but I do feel certainly as he heads towards the end of this contract, so the following two years, I would question how much better he would be. Uh, certainly, you know, there's someone like Ollie Skip, who obviously has far less experience, but you know, who we think is going to develop. In which case, do you really need someone like Sissoko around when you've got young players coming through who it's potentially delaying um, their development when those minutes are going to someone like Sissoko, who you think is probably on the decline? <sighs> yeah, I, th- I think, it, it, yeah, if they if they got a, a reasonable offer then I think I think you move on. And, he, you know, he's been very good for them. He's played an important role. But I certainly don't think he's indispensable. OK, so we've got Sissoko as a sell. What about, here's an interesting one. Deli Alley. Uh, uh, it's such a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, I, and again, this is kind of tied in with who the manager is because if it is Mourinho, I mean, I think we know fairly definitively that he would like to sell him for the money to reinvest. Um God, that is a horrible question, that isn't it? I, I, I think it, I, I, under a different manager, I, if you're asking me, I would want him to stay. Right. If Mourinho is the manager, I think he will go. Uh, if someone else is the manager, I think he, I, I imagine he'll probably stay because it seems like Levy is keen for him to stay. So mm. th- this is the one where it feels more like like kind of what we say is almost irrelevant. Yeah. Like it's going to be like decided one way or the other. Yeah, totally. So if I was. If I was the new manager and I had the ear of the chairman, I would say, Daniel, uh, Mr. Levy, sir, we we should keep Deli Ali. That is an all or nothing documentary I would watch. Tottenham managed really by James did. Moore f- for a season ah. and the Amazon cameras are allowed in. Give the fans what they want. Um, yeah. <laughs> There's a new JM in town. Um, <laughs> yeah, Deli is, uh, yeah, I think James sums it up well there. I mean, it's interesting now looking at it, isn't it? When you think about, again, just talking about like, Doherty and uh, the challenges of bringing in players at the right time. Delhi's one who now, you know, you think given how the last couple of years have panned out, how much they could have sold him for. And you could say that's, you know, he he's just been mismanaged. Um, but now you get far less for Delhi Ali than you would of 
uh, one or two years ago. So then it's do you stick and hope to get his value back up or just hope to get the best out of him? Um, I don't know. Again, like with Harry Winks and you think, you know, what's best for all parties here? For Deli Alley, if I'm if I'm looking at this with my kind of my England supporter hat on, then maybe I'm thinking he looks like a player who could do with a fresh start. Um, but obviously, if you're talking just in the interest of Tottenham, then that's a slightly different conversation. But yeah, with with uh, with Mourinho still in charge, it might just be best to say, you know, you've had an amazing time, but this just isn't working anymore, and we'll we'll hope to get some some money. But I don't. I, I I'd be so curious to know what Deli Ali would bring in in a, you know COVID 2021, you know, compared to what he would yeah. have done two three years ago. It's difficult with someone like that because, he, you know, there are probably clubs who would want to sign him who, who he wouldn't want to join if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Like he, he would only really yeah, be interested yeah, yeah. in joining like kind of, you know, PSG upwards. Whereas the clubs who want to sign him might be sort of... Leeds. Well, well Everton. I, mean, I, I, well, I, I was going to say like sort of Marseille or someone, but, I, you know... I just don't know what his level is. Like, I don't know. Is is he a Champions League level player? He should be playing for a Champions League giant. Should Or should he be on a kind of, like, scrappy Premier League mid-table team? I just, I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. Well, we talked about this, like, near the start of the season, didn't we? Like, like who would he join if he left Spurs? And we kind of got... Uh, Jack offended me by saying he'd kind of go to Southampton and be Danny Ings sort of backer. I mean, that... Partner in crime. He'd be as, like... I mean, he's, you know... Three years ago, he's one of the best players in the Premier League. Or two years yeah. ago, three years ago, he's one of the best players in the Premier League. I mean, it's crazy. I, I, and I, I think you've just got to be careful to not judge a player on form rather than kind of <laughs> um, kind of overall ability. That's, like, over, yeah, I kind of like generally agree with that. that in principle. But in the specific case of Deli Alley, I might ask when he was last good. I mean, yeah, I wonder if Deli Ali looks at Jesse Lingard. You know, he's gone to West Ham. Probably, you know, they're quite comparable. I know I know a lot of people say, like, oh, Deli... Stop stop trying to sell these players to West Ham. <laughs> and I'm really pushing that West Ham. But I mean, I'm sure Deli Ali would have felt, you know, like we all would have done. You know, a loan to West Ham would have been very beneath Deli Ali. But Jesse Lingard has done that. And Lingard, I'm sure people say he's nowhere near Deli Ali's level. But, you know, they're comparable. They were both starters for England at the last World Cup. Jesse Lingard was a very, very good Premier League player. And he's gone to West Ham and he's got himself back in that England team and squad by playing for them and being really, really good. So I don't know if... It, it's a really hard one because once you make that move to a club like West Ham, unless you absolutely smash it, then all of a sudden that's your level. Okay, so now yeah. you're a kind of West Ham level player. Or are you better off going to a Champions League team? I don't know someone like Lille um, but at least you're then in the Champions League and even if you don't absolutely shine well you're still a Champions League player Um, so I don't know I mean I think it can go one of two ways because you can drop down and then you just kind of get swallowed up by the Everton-ness or whatever of wherever you are so it's a really tough one for Deli Alley, and I I have wondered with him whether he's someone if he needs to be surrounded by really really good players and kind of part of that system or whether he would be good enough to do what Lingard is doing and kind of lift a team up to his level it'd be really interesting to see that one other point I want to make on Deli and, and Winks is COVID it's the reality of COVID is that teams teams have less money than they used to I think oh obviously and that means we're going to see a depressed transfer market this summer because no one's had any fans for the last year and that's not to say they won't spend at all but I think they'll generally be looking at you know loans freeze very young players very old players whereas someone like Delhi and Winks who are kind of not peak age yet but approaching peak age and have lots of time left in their contract those are, and are England internationals that makes them like premium price players and it's a really bad time to be a premium price player who's got time left in his contract who has no real control over his future and who wants and who wants a bit of a say in where you go because clubs you know no one's going to offer Daniel Levy what he wants I imagine um so I don't think I think and I think we've seen that a lot in football in the last year or so is that moves that normally you would think would happen don't happen and even manage, even clubs are, are scared of making managerial changes because they sense that it's not really worth the churn and the and the expense of doing it so I, I wonder whether Covid might keep Delhi at Spurs I don't know I'm just speculating but it's just a thought I've had No I think that's really interesting and I, and I do and I don't expect many people to have sympathy for Daniel Levy but you can see why it must be pretty frustrating for him in that you tie down these English players to long contracts 
And in normal times, that is almost a guarantee that you're going to be able to sell them for, for big, big money. And then this unprecedented thing happens. And as you say, Jack, the picture has changed so much for someone like Winks or Delhi with what a team is going to pay. Because, you know, a few years ago, if, if say, Winks was out of favour, but he's still an England international with a long contract... Every, all the Premier League clubs were so cash rich. You know, if you think teams like Crystal Palace were spending like north of thirty million on on players like Benteke, I think so. Yeah. You just you would have got someone coming in and paying like a big fee. Um, yeah. You know, not I mean Deli Ali would be talking way more, but you know, if we're saying Winks wasn't getting games, you you'd get a huge bid from another Premier League club, um, and we're just not going to see that in this climate. So let's rattle through these kind of not mixed ability attacking players. Um, Stephen Bergwijn, uh, four years left, had a good spell earlier in the season, but now has completely dropped off the radar. James, would you loan him out? Yeah, I think so. Loan him out. He looks like totally bereft of confidence, and he is definitely one where I think like dipping in and out of a team isn't helping him. And I think if they can, lo- I mean, let's not say Palace again. <laughs> uh, let, let me look. At, let me look at the Premier League table. Let's say. I mean Leeds. Uh, Leeds would be good. I mean, I guess he wouldn't get in the team there, would he? Maybe. I think. Like I that. think he I might. Mean, Even a Champions League club abroad, but I guess that maybe defeats the point. You want him in the Premier League. Maybe a bit, yeah, or like a Villa or someone. Maybe I don't know. Uh, someone of that sort of level, like a sort of decent, like sort of semi-ambitious mid-table club who are going to try and play good football. Going to say West Ham. Uh, He's not as good as yeah, Jared Bowen. If you get him alone, <laughs> let's not get started on him. If he goes out on loan, plays regularly in the Premier League, gets his confidence back, and then you can kind of... It, it, basically, you're either saying, come back to Tottenham and be in a team, or sell for possibly even a slight profit on what they paid for him a year ago. That that seems like the best solution there. Yeah, I thought... Sort of a, a, loan with, a loan with an open mind, let's say. <laughs> I hadn't thought, like, until you guys were discussing it on the pod a couple of weeks ago, and I, uh, you were talking about a loan for Bergwijn. It's not something I thought of. I mean... I, I would I think I would still keep him and I think you would say to a manager whoever it is look we've bought this guy for 25 30 million uh we think he's a, you know we bought him because we think he's a really talented um young player I think it's you know up to the manager to try and get the best out of him and I think he's shown enough to suggest that with a run of games he can be really effective so I I would say keep him and but is he going to get the run of games there? that's the point he's looked better on the left as well right I- yeah, but I still, but I don't think it like it changes so quickly, doesn't it? I mean, a few weeks ago, we would have been saying like, "Oh, Lucas Mora, he's when when's he ever going to play?" And then all of a sudden, he's now like seemingly one of the most important attackers. And I think Bergvine similarly, you know, he was, you know, there was a period where he was a really he wasn't scoring, but he was a really important cog when Spurs went on the best run they've had this season. So I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility he'll come back into the team. Even, you know, he may not even go to the Euros, um, given that he's barely playing for uh, for Tottenham. I suspect he still will, but I think it could change very quickly. Gets a run of games, is in the team, and then you're like, oh yeah, we've got a really exciting young attacking talent. Okay, so next up, uh, Lucas Moura, who I think is playing really well at the moment, as consistently as he's played for a while. I would keep him, personally. I mean, yeah, as Charlie alluded to, actually, uh, he would be if we had this conversation kind of three or four weeks ago, he'd be one I would say sell. And I'd be saying keep Lamella, but now actually, in spite of that goal the other week, I would probably like. And he has a year in his contract, Lamella. I'd yeah. sell Lamella. Um, yeah. And I think you'd. Get, I think you. Someone would sign him for fifteen million quid. That sort of that kind of ballpark. Uh, and and keep Lucas. But I wonder if now's a good time to sell Lucas in the sense that his stock is pretty high. He, this is a player who's been who's pretty up and down, but the recency bias of the fact that he's been good. Uh, of the last few months might convince a team in Europe that you know oh yeah Lucas Moura he's he's a really good player and you might be able to get m- more from him more for him than you know you necessarily would for other players so I, I, that might seem counterintuitive Possibly. given that he is playing well at the moment but I wouldn't rule it out because I think there, there might be teams in Europe who, who quite like the look of Lucas I can see the logic there but I guess Lamella is kind of another player who's sort of uh, good, good for a, a month then kind of at best inconsistent for sort of three or four months and then kind of has another good month and then kind of falls away again and gets an injury and whatever. He's sort of a similar sort of... You get a similar sort of return for Lamella. I'm just thinking if he's got one year left, assuming you're not going to give him another new contract, it might just be logical to kind of cash in on him now. Uh, and Lucas with three years left. I mean, I know and I know that is kind of counterintuitive because you'd probably get more money for him. I think he might be a year younger as well. Yeah, Lamella's a year older. So I wonder if... The problem with that is teams might be with Lamella like, well, he's not... 
he's not someone we're desperate for. We'll just wait it out a year rather than giving a fee for him. Uh, whereas more, you might be able to actually get a reasonable fee. He's 28. Someone might. I'm looking at Serie A again. I'm looking at Serie A again. I'm thinking, I mean, Inter. Someone there will pay 15 million pounds for Lamella. I'd sell Lamella. I, I I love Lamella, but I don't really see the point of him still being at Tottenham. Rabona aside, yeah, he's, he's great fun, but like, uh, uh, yeah, and then red cards. I mean, I I really like Lamella, and he's another player I've defended. Who's and, and I think the criticism of him is possibly slightly more fair. Is it really in anyone's interest for Lamella to kind of be the French player for another season and you know score three goals, have a couple of good moments? Uh, you know, I'm just not really sure that. And again, this is again caveat with whether or not they're in Europe and if they get a bid. But I I think broadly speaking, I would say he'd be one to sell. Gareth Bale on loan. I'd love to have him back at Spurs, even though he said he was going back to Real Madrid. James, you've got to keep him, haven't we? We. It is another one of those. We. It is another one of those where it depends who the manager is. But again, if the manager is me. Uh, I would keep him because I'd be like an arm around the shoulder I'd cheer him up also the fans deserve to see him so yeah I'd keep Bale but only if you're in charge there is that caveat there is that caveat Uh, what what I think might happen is if they change manager Bale will sign like on deadline day yeah I think that'll like he won't like that won't get kind of renewed no so he can be there all for a pre-season it'll be you know it's too much money involved yeah rightly or wrongly kind of strong arming in uh Madrid over the course of the summer to try and get the best possible deal and get them to stump up as much of those wages as he possibly can. So if uh, if Gareth Bale is a Tottenham player next season, I don't think it'll be before sort of the last week of August. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Charlie, would you keep him? I don't think so. I mean, just speaking maybe from, you know, take take the emotion out of it. I, I just, I think those way, the, the, the amount you're having to pay him, I think that those funds could be better diverted elsewhere especially as if you are if it is going to be something that bleeds into you know deadline day and all of that stuff then i just think it's a, a distraction you could do without i mean that is the big problem with that i think if you, you know if you can get him in there for a decent you like you know not be paying him stupid money which obviously is impossible uh, and then be there from the start of pre-season to actually kind of be fit and sharp and ready for the start of the season that is a completely different thing isn't it but i just don't think there's a world in which that mm. happens yeah, I just um, think it's all too complicated. That, that is the big reservation about it. I, yeah, but that that month of him being in the team and being very good, maybe I'm too emotional, but it was so good and it made it so fun in comparison to kind of what had been either side of it that I would like to make that happen again. The fans deserve to see Bale. Like the whole, not just 2,000 fans or 5,000 fans, but the whole stadium deserves to see Gareth Bale playing for Spurs. Maybe um, uh, that sounds a bit sentimental, but it's what I think. So I'm keeping bail. Uh, now, last few. Um, Son, let, yeah, let's do Son quickly. So Son has got two years left in his contract. Um, they, they've definitely spoken about a new contract. I don't think it's very far away. Obviously, nothing has been announced yet. Let's wait and see what happens over the summer. I don't think anything will be announced until the end of the season. I suppose you could cash in on Son if you wanted to, but he's just too good. He's too good to sell, isn't he? Yeah, it'll be ludicrous to, it'll be ludicrous to sell him. Uh, he's in a similar sort of situation. You know, we're talking about Deli Ali, but it's more extreme with Son because he's a couple of years older. And, and I guess we'll have this conversation with Kane as well. In fact, we did the other week. But, you know, Levy is going to want upwards of £100 million for Son with two years on his contract I would imagine I mean who, who's got money mm. yeah. <laughs> we normally we'd say Real Madrid or Barcelona but they've not got money have they if you're Manchester City say I, I just think you're going to look if you're going to spend £100 million you're probably going to sign two guys who are not two guys uh, <laughs> two kind of 21, 22 year olds like massively highly rated ones from the continent that are going to be like 50 million quid and in all probability, with Pep as a coach, you're probably going to end up better off that way around. I, I just, I, I, it's, you know, like we said before, I'm not really sure it's the market for those kind of players, but bar the very, very top players, and, you know, we talked about Mbappe yeah. and last week, that is going to, that's going to make it very difficult for the other players to move. Unless, Definitely. you know, unless uh, Dortmund decide they want to replace Haaland with Son. And he wants to go there, but I'm not. I'm he's not. not he doesn't massively. Happen. He doesn't quite fit their profile, does he? He's a bit too old, no, I think, I to sign for so. Dortmund. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, um, he, you're right, James. He is. He's at an age now where, if you were to spend huge money on him, you'd have to be accepting. Well, you're getting no resale value for that, really, because you know, no, no one else is going to come in massively for a player who's in their thirties, which he would be um, in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the contract thing's interesting though, because like. In November, it's it felt like it was imminent. Um, 
you know, so I mean, hopefully it will, you know, will just be sorted uh, by the time the season ends. But I mean, yeah, the it would be very, very brave to sell him, given how catastrophic that would feel um, to be selling one of you know the the jewels um, in that Tottenham squad. Like I think, it, realistically, we know that whatever's happened this season, you know, and I think we're probably going to end up looking at it and saying it was a not a massive success, even if they won the league cup and finished fifth. I mean. That would be, that's as good as it's probably realistically going to get now and I'm not really convinced it'll be that good we're probably going to look back on the season and say it's not a massive success but you can say if Son and Kane are in the team again next season they will have a chance yeah to totally League, and maybe even better than that it, like they can get the rest of it right and I just think like uh, you know it'd be such a massive gamble to sell one or other of those two with a view to kind of trying to fix the rest of it because it's going to be so short at the other end like what are the chances you're going to sell Son and replace him because what you need to do is replace him with a player who's as good for half the money, which isn't impossible. But I just don't, I don't, I don't back Spurs to do that because I just think it's incredibly difficult. Um, so it would be madness to sell him. So you had to keep him. I'm surprised we talked this song about him. I know. So, yeah. we're, so we're keeping Son, and uh, for, I mean, for me, we're keeping Kane. I mean, I, in part because. I don't think even if Spurs. You mentioned West Ham now. Needed a hundred. <laughs> even if Spurs, yeah, you know, Everton is your West Ham. I just don't think they can generate the money for him, even if they wanted to, and they don't. They don't want to sell him. Yeah, I'm it's sure same. he it's might. I'm sure in an Kane, ideal world for Kane, he might want to go to Manchester City, but I just I don't think it's going to happen. I might I might be proven very wrong in August, but this is just what I think. There's going to be look. There's going to be loads of noise about this. Uh, it's going to be a lot of posturing, mm. and it, obviously, it's not impossible. He goes clearly. Uh, but I think uh, for the for the for the same reasons we've talked about with those other players, it's going to be very difficult for Harry Kane to leave Spurs this summer. I think it's going to take something. It's going to take a pretty monumental shift at one of those clubs for that to happen. I just don't see, you know, you know, say Man City would have to miss out on, you know, Aguero would have to leave and then have to miss out on Haaland and Mbappe, um, and then suddenly kind of get towards the end of and realise they really really need a forward and the one they want to sign is Harry Kane. I just, I'm just not convinced. You know, Man City have so rarely over the last decade, 13 years or whatever it's been, like gone out and signed a genuinely properly elite player, the, one of the best players in that position, the very, very best players in the world. I mean, uh, Aguero, yeah. even Aguero is kind of like on the upward curve. I mean, City have never... Um, Yaya mm, maybe yeah. might be the one who you say was the closest to that. But even then, I mean, I don't think like... But he was kind of one mm. of the worst kind of. I mean, this is a high bar. One of the worst two or three players in that Barcelona team. He wasn't yeah. like you know, it wasn't deemed one of the very best players in the world before he went to City. Yeah, City have only City have bought. If you look at City's biggest fees, so this is slightly off topic, but they spent a lot of you know thirty to sixty million pounds. They've got a team full of thirty to sixty million pound players. But uh, Coxie did a good piece the other day on the twenty biggest transfers of all time. I don't think there were any City players in there. City City never ever ever play pay seventy plus kind of because they don't need to and they don't buy that kind of late twenty bracket. It's clearly totally different if you can get Haaland or Mbappe for 120 million pounds yeah, this it summer. Is, it is. Because 120 million is obviously the new 60. So it's like, yeah. uh, you know, that that is worthwhile. But to, to sign Harry Kane, who's 28, 28 this summer. Yeah, he will be, yeah. Yeah. And has these occasional ankle injuries, which obviously we will ham up now if, if Man City is sniffing around. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it does, it does feel like a risk. And, you know, we've seen what happened with Hazard at Real Madrid, who obviously is a couple of years older when he left. But. I mean that is completely like hamstrung Real Madrid. Totally, yeah, totally. Excuse the pun. Excuse the pun. Uh, it's just like completely crippled them in the transfer market, isn't it? Because they invested so much money in a player, and I know obviously circumstances outside the club have dictated that too. But the fact that they've not had any return from him on the pitch is just complete. They're just like it just, it just left them with absolutely nothing to do in the transfer market. No wiggle room at all. Completely. So we're keeping Kane, and I think that so, that, so that's kind of it. So our squad for next season. What about Big Vinny, we not got to Big, oh, Big, Big Vinny. Vinny. Yeah, I keep him. I love him. We haven't got time to talk about him, for? but <laughs> w- w- whatever it takes. I sell Kane to keep Vinicius. That's a non-negotiable for Jack if he yeah, was yeah. to take over. No, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd find a way. I'd find a way. I'd find a way. That's another one. Actually, that'll be at the end of the transfer window. Yeah, like, last day. come back right at the end of the... Yeah, yeah. Fine. Be like 18 million or something. Okay, so we're keeping Vinicius, right? I mean, who else? You're not going to get anyone better to do that job. It's a hard job being the yeah, backup. Yeah, if you, if you get him... If, if, what, if they're in Europe and you get, like, get him for £15 million, which, are, like you say, will inevitably be end of August, then... 
Yeah, I see that happening. Yeah. The thing is, Spurs will get it on the last day. By which point, they will already drop points, and it will be like, well, what's the, because Kane would have been injured, and then uh, they'll have had Lucas up front for the first few games of the season, and they'll be like, oh, why didn't you sign Vinicius when you could have done anyway? Um, so that concludes this exercise. We actually could talk about Mourinho, but we've been te- speaking about three hours, and I don't think you know we could speak another three hours about Mourinho. So yeah. we, we we spoke enough about Mourinho in the last uh, this season. Uh, so I don't think Mourinho is underrepresented in the media. So we've got Larice, Hart Dog, Dyer, probably Toby, Roden, Tanganga, Aurier, probably Winks, Hoiberg and Dombele, Skip maybe, depending on the Winks situation, maybe Lacelso and Letters a bid, Lucas, Son and Kane. And then out the door, we've got uh, Sanchez, Rose, Doherty on loan, Sissoko, maybe Delhi, Bergwijn on loan, and Lamella. I feel like there's, you know, all is not lost with Tottenham Hotspur. They, could, you know, they got some good players there for next season. Good, good midfielders and PK age. Good experienced strikers. Uh, it's everything's going to be okay. I promise. Bergvine staying is one of is my non-negotiable. If I'm going to Bergvine staying is the non-negotiable. Uh, ex- well, let's say on the basis of the thing of the things we've all said, then who do the, who do the listeners want to be manager out of the three of us? Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, tweet us. Please tweet <laughs> us your um, yeah. Tweet us. Let us know what you think. Uh, if we've missed anyone, I hope not. Or if you just massively did disagree with anything we said, just uh, yeah. Tweet us. Leave, leave a comment. DM. We'll try and follow up on some of that next week. Uh, next week's podcast will be coming a few days later than usual because of Easter, um, where we will be looking back on the Newcastle United away game, which of course is on Easter Sunday. Thank you very much to everyone who stuck with us for the entirety of this podcast. Thank you very much to James and producer Tom and to Charlie. Great to see you again. Looking forward to seeing you again soon. Um, and we'll be back next week. All the best. The Athletic. <laughs>